When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, folks, welcome to a special, rather flat and depressed special edition of Zero Ducks Given. There's no Toby with us today. I've no idea where he is. I think he's followed Finney's lead and is wandering aimlessly through the streets of London trying to find a club, even though we're recording this at about 4.15 on Friday. He doesn't have the courtesy. I don't think he has the courtesy to to call in, though, whilst drunk. No, no, and you were very courteous, and, uh, and and we loved you for it. Someone said to me that the start of our last episode of Zero Ducks Given was like an F, a, a Derek and Clive sketch. So I think that's a positive. I think that's a positive. Anyway, we are <laughs> gathered here today in the sight of the good Lord uh, because suddenly and befuddlingly this morning at about half past eight, we discovered that the test match was not going to go ahead between England and India. We have no idea. If it's going to be rescheduled, we've no idea if India have forfeited it. We have no idea who's going to pay for the cost of remunerating the stall holders, the people who bought tickets, the people for whom um, they were really looking forward to a test match at Old Trafford. They've been deprived them. There were three of them, of course, last year, but they're all happening behind closed doors. And um, it all happened right at the last minute. I was due to be up there for days two to five with Test Match Special. Stephen Finn was already there. Uh, when did you first find out? I mean, I saw the WhatsApp group was exploding around about quarter past, half past eight this morning. Yeah, so I'm not typically an early riser. I prefer going to bed late, as I'd imagine you do as well, Dan, going to bed late, waking up early. I'd been in Sussex actually all day yesterday and the day before, so I didn't even have an inkling that it might be a chance of being cancelled. Um, I just presume that because the last test finished, it would just be as normal. So I got the train up to Manchester late last night, got there about 11, went to bed and then woke up to my phone blowing up saying there's a good chance that today's going to be postponed. And then about 15 minutes later, it was the official line saying, no, the test has been forfeited. And then about 15 minutes after that, you got the second press release, which said, no, it hasn't actually been forfeited. It's just delayed or or cancelled today and then potentially delayed until a further date when it can be fitted in. So it was quite a chaotic morning and something that was completely and utterly not on my radar. And then obviously the rumour mill starts about he said, she said, they said, which which I think is still going to take some time to decipher to work out what has actually happened. But I think a few sources have got links to the Indian WhatsApp group and things like that. And it does sound a little bit shambolic on everyone's part at the moment. But it does. I mean, there are some facts, I think, that we know. I mean, there's, I'm going to get very Donald Rumsfeld here. There are known knowns and there are unknown unknowns as well. So <laughs> one of the things that we think we do know is that no Indian player has tested positive for COVID. That's an issue because it gets to the sort of thorny issue of has this been, um, has this been abandoned for COVID? 
if it's abandoned for COVID, then there's all sorts of insurance issues around that. If it hasn't been abandoned for COVID, then money can be claimed back on insurance as if money is the single most important thing, of course, because for the fans, that's neither here nor there, is it? They've paid to be at a test match. They wanted to see it. So what we think we know is no Indian player tested positive. We do know that the backroom staff had started to test positive. Back during the Oval Test match, we heard about Ravi Shastri testing positive and then further physios testing positive. Nick Holt reported in the Telegraph that the players had written a letter that they'd sent to the BCCI at midnight last night, which seems leaving it a little bit late, so that they refused to play. Now, you called it a shambles. Let's try and clear up a couple of things first. India are 2-1 ahead in the series, and when Ravi Shastri went down with COVID, there were some cynical wags in the, our box back at the Oval last week who sort of thought that this might happen. Were they being unreasonably cynical, or uh, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck? What's What, what do you think is going on here? I mean... I think the, the Indians, it's hard to decipher, isn't it? Because I think you look at the way the Indians have played this series and they've put themselves out there the entire time and made a, a huge point of always taking the forward steps and never backing down from, um, from a situation or a fight. And I think actually in the cricket that they've played, we've really seen that and they've been a match for England all the way through the series and actually have been the better team, in my opinion, than England across the series and hence why they're 2-1 up. So I can't see with the attitude and everything that the players have had through the series, whether that would be their attitude towards just calling a day on it, because it seems as though they don't mind doing things the hard way. So I feel as though there's potentially more to that story than quite meets the eye. That's the impression that I'm getting at the moment. But it's almost as though every hour a new bit of info comes out that then changes the course of the narrative um, as we go through it. But yeah, I think that is a cynical way of looking at it. And I'd, I'd expect you to do nothing less than look at it <laughs> through those cynical eyes. But uh, I think there's merit. I do think there's merit in that, but I, I'm not sure it would come from the players if that was the case. I think that that's something that may come from higher up. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't want to imply in any way that I think that India thought, well, right, we've won the series, so we might as well go. But if we jog back a little bit before the series began, the scheduling of this was really quite odd, wasn't it? They played the World Test Championship at the back end of June and then stayed in England. And people had said, well, actually, they don't mind staying in England because there's a certain anonymity and the rules were relaxing in England. The COVID situation was slightly better. There were higher vaccination rates. So there was more freedom of movement for the players. So I mentioned that because there's a lot of talk about the bubbles and how the bubbles have really been getting to the Indian players, but they weren't really in a managed bubble for most of this time after the World Test Championship. What they'd requested was that the final test be brought forward so that there would be a space after the oval test finished for them to get to the UAE and prepare for the IPL. So then the IPL issue then gets muddied into this. So, I guess where the cynicism lies is, well, they've always wanted not to be at Old Trafford for that test. If they're, if they're worried about COVID cases, will they now be isolating for 10 days in a hotel in Manchester and therefore delaying their flight to the UAE? Or do you suspect that they may be leaving, as reports have indicated, perhaps as soon as Saturday, which is only a day away? 
And of course, putting yourself then in that situation in a close environment, in an aeroplane with lots of people who may have been exposed. And if your fear is an explosion of COVID within the team environment, that doesn't seem like a good way of managing COVID when surely the best thing for them to do would be to sit tight, just watch Netflix and stay in a hotel room like everyone else who's uh, come into close contact before the rules were changed that allowed you not to have to isolate after you've been double jabbed. It's a thorny and confused picture. Yeah, very much so. And also with how strict the UAE seemed to have been with people going, and I think it's a six-day quarantine when you get to the UAE at the moment, but you'd imagine in a high-profile case such as this that, that someone at the airline will be aware of the fact that there's been an outbreak amongst this group of players. <laughs> so therefore, if you're the person checking them in and you're like, oh, Virat Kohli, uh, ah, I read about you in the news earlier. What, what's going on here? So, yeah, haven't yeah, haven't you been in close contact with a bunch of physios who've been yeah. uh, you know, dealing with you quite, quite intimately? Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And we're recording this now, approximately seven hours after the news broke or that we first, I mean, I can now say I'm part of the press, but when it was told to the press about there being potential that the game might be postponed and then abandoned, we're only seven hours on from that now. So the story is naturally going to develop over the next 24 hours until the Indians do potentially leave the country. But Uh, With the way that the ECB statement came out that was slightly clumsy and the way that it said that India had forfeited the test match and then that was retracted, I feel as though there's probably or there's almost definitely more going on behind the scenes about trying to determine the actual reason as to why this test match has been cancelled. Well, I think, I'm not sure about this, but I think the forfeiture implies therefore that it's not COVID related. And if it's not COVID related, but it's been forfeited, then insurance kicks in so there may have been a bit of an element of that i think there might also have been an element of fury from the ecb and i mean they've talked a very good game today tom harrison has said this has got nothing to do with the ipl and uh, they've made it very clear that they're sympathetic towards players who've been put in a very trying situation let's be very even-handed here and point out that lots of england players have experienced problems with bubbles josh butler has mentioned it uh, mentioned, you know, concerns over going to Australia and being in quarantine and the bubble situation there. And we're very aware of mental health issues occurring amongst cricketers, especially in this COVID situation. But let's not forget, as Nick Holt went on to say, that a lot of players attended the launch of Ravi Shastri's book in a public event with 150 people there at a hotel, which is sort of launching a hotel chain. Now, it doesn't strike me. That doesn't feel very bubbly. I mean, it feels bubbly in an entirely different way. Champagne may have been flowing for all I know, but not bubbly in the sense that you're tightly packed in and not able to do anything and your freedom's being contained. It, it's hard to see that much, for much of this time that the Indians haven't actually just been on tour rather than in a bubble. Now, a lengthy tour can get to you because they've been in England since June and it's now halfway through September and they're about to enter an IPL bubble. So maybe the anticipation of that has got to them. But none of the justifications that I'm hearing, and I'm doing my best to be even-handed here, do I quite buy? Um, Again, I've got to ask you, am I being unfair? I don't think you're being unfair, no, because it's only fair that people are going to speculate as to what is the actual reason. I do think the implications of bubbles, having some of my friends 
been in hard bubbles, like solid bubbles, over the course of the last 18 months, um, that almost certainly, or not almost certainly, it definitely does affect you and your ability to be able to make rational decisions, everything that comes with it. I think that, that being inside a bubble does does mess with that. But yeah, I don't think you're being completely unfair in speculating as to the fact that there may be more behind this abandonment than first meets the eye. But I do think it's also important that that aspect of um, well-being is respected until we know otherwise, which I think I think we will know. I think we will find out. It's not just there's going to be enough people hunting around, looking under the bed, like the sofa, and looking under the carpets to try and find out as to exactly why. And and we will find out in time. So so for now, I think it's important that that's respected. But it will be very interesting, I think, when we do finally find out um, actually what the like, what the reason is and what the implications are, and also what when this test match as the noises are being made at the moment is going to be replayed well yeah it's interesting that noise came out pretty quickly didn't it the bcci i think uh, may have suggested that when india tour next year for a t20 tour may be able to have a, a that test match then replayed now i suppose that solves a whole series of uh, money issues up to a point it doesn't solve the problem for the fans who bought tickets and hotel rooms crucially some of those who have come to stay for more than one night or even just the one night have come up to Manchester to watch the game doesn't solve their problem. And it also means that the series, in theory, then is what? Is is in abeyance? We have no idea what would happen to World Test Championship points. Is it just is it going to be decided next year? And wouldn't it be weird if it was decided with England having, you know, Joffre Archer and Ollie Stone and Ben Stokes back in the side? It would be a really... Well, it's like next goal wins, isn't it? England would be like, well, it's next goal wins. So we're we're down in the series. You you're down fifteen ten on the playground, but as soon as its last goal wins, it doesn't matter what's happened before. So we'll have a one-off test match. Whoever wins it wins the series and the trophy. And <laughs> and what about all of the test championship points from the five five match series? That's that puts some implications into it. Well, yeah, but but also you know if if a lot of the implication is that the schedule has become unwieldy. But now we're just like postponing it to next year to add further unwieldiness to a schedule. There's already six test matches for England to play next year. Looks jam-packed, doesn't it? Looks jam-packed next year already. It fight to 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 keep and up the hold the standard of cricket so that you're not having test squads and, and yes, they've had to be rotated, but you hope that in twelve months' time that there's some degree of normality about the way that people are allowed to go about a test match summer. So if then Beyond the COVID times, you're you're looking at rotating and resting and and completely different changes in team. Um, I, I think that then that may slightly threaten the integrity of the tournament as well um, and the competition. So, yeah, th- th- there are going to be far deeper implications to this than first meet the eye. I think, oh, and we're not going to get the answers to this for quite some time. So, I guess let's just finish off on just how flat and disappointing it all is. I mean, when I saw it this morning. I was getting up unfeasibly early, about half past eight, which is unfeasibly early for me, to get a train up to Manchester. And I'd got together my... I'd, I'd packed yesterday, and I was looking forward to the very last match of the summer. I was looking forward to seeing you, Finney, because we were going to be working Had you together. packed, or had, had your wife packed? No, well, I, I, she, she she actually did a, a bit of ironing, which she's very bitter about right now. But I, I actually put them in the, in the suitcase. And... <laughs> And I slept across Taunton with enough stuff to last me for seven days. 
And then I just felt really flat because, you know, you, as a as a mad cricket nut, the last test match of the summer is really poignant, isn't it? And you kind of need a little bit of time to prepare for it because it you get, I get PTSD at the end of the summer. And then I realise that I've got to get through October, November, December. As I've told you, it's basically for me like replaying the Second World War every year. And I just have to gird my loins. And it's like the war started early. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't prepared. We haven't been able to say our goodbyes. And these are just our trivial problems. You know, we who get to go and watch cricket for a living and have fun. I mean, I think about all the stall holders. Apparently, when the TMS team turned up today, all the concessions were already up because they get in there early. You know, they get in there 7, 7.30. So there was this eerie thing where you could sort of smell the onions frying on the on the on the grills and what have you an anticipation of a full house a manchester crowd that's been gasping for live test match cricket and it's just all gone flat and i feel for them hugely because the amount of money that those guys make in a test match often tides them over for a month or two i don't know how they see that money back i don't know about insurance i don't know about anything of, of that sort but just Talk us through your feelings, because for you, it's going to be a big game. You're going to be doing TV highlights. You're going to be doing. You'll be on the radio. You're going to be everywhere in this game, Finny. And you were probably never. I was going to be plug zero ducks. Exactly. No, I'd, I'd plug <laughs> zero ducks every, every opportunity, and then never get asked to work back for the BBC again. So that'd be fun. <laughs> but no, yeah, I was looking forward to a really exciting five days. Actually, I think first and foremost, the cricket was going to be amazing because it, it's been a very toy and throwy series all the way through. And, and I anticipated nothing different for this test match. Um, a little bit of cloud in the air in the first morning and, and things like that could have made it a really interesting test match. And, and I only feel sorry for the people who have tried to organise and plan things around this. And, and it's more, it's sad, I think, really, for, as you say, the stall holders and the people who've made an effort to come up to the test match and support England and wanting to watch high quality cricket, uh, they've not been able to do that. And I think that's a real shame. And I hope that people are compensated across the board somehow by someone for all the money that they've spent. But on a slightly positive note, I think a number of the crowd who didn't go to the test match ended up at the, the Northern Thunder or the Lancashire Thunder women's cricket game. Um, and Kate Cross sent me a couple of images of crowd like people in fancy dress stood on the boundary chanting at their game just around the corner from Old Trafford. So if if nothing positive has come out of today um, other than a, a whole bunch of chickens um, and a few Teletubbies watching the women's <laughs> game around the corner, <laughs> that, that can be a good thing. Well, more, more people will have watched Kate Cross score a 50 today than have watched her score a 50 in their entire life in that, in that, uh, in that case because she did. She got 50-odd and um, lost her wicket towards the end. I think the Thunder were bowled out for 107. They had a pretty disastrous time of it. I haven't checked out how they got in the second, uh, who, who won lost. it in the end. They Did lost. they? What a surprise. Hmm. Uh, look, we're going to wrap up. It's been We're going to have a proper series review uh, when we're back on Tuesday next week. For me, I just have this terrible sense of flatness and sadness. I share it with Vinny. I think it's uh, it's difficult because you want to blame people when things like this happen. And perhaps it's unfair to lurch instantly at the players and say, well, it's their fault. Couldn't they just have done it for five more days? There might have been a genuine concern if, if the entire physio team has gone down. 
and then somebody goes down with something themselves, whether it's COVID or an injury or something, and there's no one there within their support staff to look after them, that could be a concern. I don't know. It just feels wretched. It feels it feels poignant and sad that I sit in front of this this little grid here that told me that on the last day I was going to wear green paisley shirt, navy chinos, and blue striped socks. And then in brackets it says, doesn't really go, but you've run out. Well, yeah, well, it's a good job they've saved you then. They saved me that. We've kind of run out. We've kind of we've kind of run we've run out of cricket. There's a little bit more women's cricket to come. Uh, the women are still in action. They won the T20 series yesterday in thrilling and dramatic fashion. They've got five more one-day internationals. But for the men, their season is over, and uh, for the Indians, they'll be it sounds flying off to the IPL. Whether we'll be able to watch that without a sense of bitterness and furious rage, I don't know. It remains to be seen. It's time for us to say goodbye. We'll be back on Tuesday. I'm about to go and cry buckets. See you, Finney. See you. Sports Social Podcast Network.